It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Here's Michelle, Michelle Mendoza, my Michelle Live and Sports Time Out, where we gather the team together and we take on the sports stories of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, we are encroaching on an American tradition. A holiday in America. It is Super Bowl Sunday that's coming up. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you the latest up-to-the-minute odds, which is kind of odd. It's an interesting one this year. Uh, We'll be talking about some really odd controversies surrounding the Olympics and so much more. But let me introduce you to the team. Joining us today... He is a coach, he's a player, he's a pastor, he's a chaplain, and he's an all-around awesome guy, Garrick Payne. Get ready to get... (laughs) Hey, Reverend, you could have just said amen. Somebody give me an amen. We have with us an author of this freaking amazing completely entertaining uh, faith-filled sci-fi book that you will not want to miss out on breaking yesterday he's also a sports writer a coach himself and well i could go on and on brent r baker author photographer brent r baker with us a a man who has been my friend since high school since high school he's played college he's uh played he's owned a semi-professional football team he's uh, been in the hall of fame for said team he continues to coach and make a difference in the world he is such a cool guy uh coach tom fisher what a guy what a guy what a guy smiley face but you can just imagine that maybe next time we'll get a little icon or a picture but welcome guys glad to have you with me today at this pre-super bowl sunday celebration before we get started on some of the sports news where's everyone watching the game tom uh, i'm gonna go up to buddy mine's uh, house and we're gonna cook some food up and watch the game that's how it works how garrick i haven't quite decided yet but I, I might actually have a few friends over to my house and uh, watch a game here. Nice. And Brent? Hey, you send a helicopter, send a helicopter over for me, dude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Michelle? I'm going to um, go to a friend's house. Uh, it's kind of a housewarming. It's kind of a Snooper Bowl party. I've often um, hosted parties in the past because my favorite thing to do during the Super Bowl, I'll see if I can even pull it up here, Um is to not only play the Super Bowl, but to also have the Puppy Bowl running in the background. Because <laughs> because to me, there is nothing cooler than the Puppy Bowl. You know, um, it's been going on for years, and uh, you don't want to miss the Puppy Bowl. It's sweet. Here's a little insight. Let the Puppy Bowl begin. Archer is trying to rip the padding off the goalpost. His teammates trying <laughs> so to help. Cute. Archer is a rebel with a cause right now. Chunky Monkey is wondering where the ref is as Archer continues his <laughs> assault monkey. on Team Ruff's end zone. 
and he rips that pad clean off. Even his teammates are in disbelief. Archer, that's a penalty. <laughs> Illegal use of the goalposts, okay? <laughs> Oh, it's so adorable. So while I am a total sports girl, I love watching the the Super Bowl every Hearing year. Well, usually I love watching the Super Bowl. Uh, this, you know, sometimes more than others, but uh, always have to have the Puppy Bowl on on another screen because it is so so precious. The Puppy Bowl actually uh, helps bring awareness to animals that need to be adopted. There is a greater need than ever before because of uh, COVID and, and some of the issues. When COVID first broke out, um, some of these uh, purse puppies were being abandoned in droves from people who were like, oh, no, I'm going to catch COVID from my dog. So it's a, it's a real sad situation. Now, a lot of folks have adopted dogs during uh, lockdown uh, for to stave off some of the loneliness. So that's been good news as well. And with the passing of Betty White, a lot of attention being put on uh, animals. She had such a great love for animals. So, yeah, that's going to be my weekend watching at a friend's house and maybe sneaking in looks at the puppy bowl. As far as the odds go, they are at a dead even right now. That doesn't always happen. Some of the earlier polls and and, uh, betting odds were in favor of the Rams. I'm not sure why. Tom, what what are you thinking is going to happen this weekend? Well, I don't know. To be honest, uh, I, I'm kind of hoping the Rams do do it. What? Okay, we're going to move to someone else. <laughs> uh, sorry. How can you do that? You, you want Rams do do? How can you call yourself a, a Seahawk fan and utter those words? Well, only because they're from our division. You know, they're from our division. We have probably one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. And, you know, they're they're from it. So uh, I'm not really – I'm wearing a Rams shirt today. Uh, (laughs) Unintentionally, but that's what happened. These years – and you know, here, here you good, good call not yeah. putting them on the screen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I do think to, to Tom's point, you know, it's it's hard to root for a rival, so you know, I can't really do that. But see, he, he yeah, makes it, I know. But, but 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 the Rams win, you know, and then you can say, okay, well, two of our losses are to the Super Bowl champion. You're in a division that other three, all three other teams made the yes. playoffs. One of them's in the Super Bowl. And, and, you know, if they win it, it's like, okay, so it does, I think it raises the Seahawks like level a little bit, just in terms of saying, we're not that far away. We competed with these teams. We beat the 49ers twice who almost got here. Um, so I, I, I get the logic. I get the logic. I, I want Cincinnati to win, but I get the logic. Well, I think uh, now now we three here, we are four here, happen to be Seahawks fans uh, with a connection to the Northwest. And that's okay. We have listeners from all over the world and all over the country. So, uh, you know, it's it's not all about Seahawks. I get that. What? But it's kind of oh, all no. But it's all <laughs> you can see from from my logo. I um I think the bigger story outside of my personal preference is a a team that is has been an underdog under under appreciated, uh, under supported, and 
here they are in the Super Bowl, the underdog. And who doesn't love a good underdog story? So I, I think it's going to be a really good game. There has been a, a lot of talk about the NFL plummeting where viewership has been concerned support from people who tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side because they've become so woke. Uh, Super Bowls have been kind of the same old, same old. So uh, this might up the the NFL watching uh, numbers this weekend. We'll see. Garrick? I I mean, I don't know that it's going to change things that much. I think the people who are fed up with the NFL are still fed, fed up, up with the NFL. NFL. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited for this game. I've got a good buddy who is just a huge Bengals fan, and he's always just so depressed and this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, if you're watching there, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for the Bengals and Chinese New Year, of course, is the year of the tiger. Right. And so, <laughs> hey, what do you what, what can you say to that? Yeah, what can you say to that? Uh, this is going to be uh, another Super Bowl. And funny, though, it really has turned into a national holiday, Brent. It's um, people take off the Monday after Super Bowl more than any other day in the year so what's up with that more than january 2nd (laughs) (laughs) yeah supposedly so um really yeah kind of crazy well i I do think it is our top secular holiday Uh, i mean there's there's no doubt you know there there are people now that of course are are avoiding the nfl because of political reasons and stuff but but for the most part just about everybody well, everybody knows the games this weekend, just about. Um, and if you're not watching the game, you're watching the commercials, right? Or you're watching uh, Snoop Dogg at halftime. <laughs> Sorry. Is anyone excited about to... the, the halftime show? No. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have. I can't even remember the last time that I watched the halftime show. So I'm too much. The, I'm too much this football purist, but. Uh, well, I'm, I, I I'm, like look, I'm looking shows. forward to the game. I think it's a That's great matchup. Spot. You've got two great quarterback receiver combinations um, with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on one side and Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase for the Bengals. Um, plus, you know, as you talked about the underdog Bengals, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that have been so bad for so long that they have a nickname, you know, that describes that. And they, they haven't been called the Bungles this year at all. <laughs> you know so it, it's nice to see a team that's been downtrodden for so long uh to to come back and have their moment um especially i mean joe burrow is a home he's not from cincinnati but he's he's from southeastern ohio kind of a rural area smaller school kind of came out of nowhere um so it's fun to kind of have like a homegrown talent um come and lead your your downtrodden franchise to the Super Bowl. That's just a pretty cool story. Tom, you're a defense coach, a defensive coach. Oh, what advice would you give to either team? Uh, keep doing what you're doing because uh, that's what got you there. I, I don't think I would over blitz, but, you know, put put uh, uh, the Rams quarterback under pressure and he will throw interceptions. That's been his MO at Detroit. Yeah. That's been his MO everywhere i mean i'm a cooper cup fan so i'm kind of picking you know the rams for that because he's a home hometown guy 
uh, home state. But yes, uh, uh, pressure on him. The other guy for Cincinnati has proven Burris that he's proven that he can handle that under pressure. So I would be more coverage on that side. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, Joe Burrow got some advice uh, for Sunday from a man who, according to his Let's Go uh, podcast, Tom Brady, uh, may not be done with the NFL. He's, you know, he, he kind of backtracked a little bit, interestingly enough. So is it really retirement or is it uh, just a pause? We don't know. But apparently he gave Joe Burrow some advice saying, uh, in the end, it's just football. I don't know what that means, but it's just football. Yeah, I, okay. know. I, I, really, I think that's, that is good advice. In the end, it is just football. There is a lot of hype around the Super Bowl. There's a lot of money around the Super Bowl. Do you guys realize that there are parking spaces near the stadium that are going for $6,000 for the day? For real. For real. I kid you not. I, uh, I'll even pull up the the uh, the story in just a moment, just just to prove it. Uh, Six thousand dollars and those million dollar ads. Let's take just take a look for a moment at some of the ads. You won't be able to see them by phone, Tom, but uh, you can you can hear the highlights. A GM so commercial. How far do you think GM's old team EVs can go? Hundred eighty miles. More. 300 miles? One million miles. Oh boy, there you go. <laughs> whoa, 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 Mom's already tackling food waste, Mayo. It's a big guy. She's sleeping better than ever, which the paparazzi aren't thrilled about. I miss Lizzie! She's even more productive, trading DUIs for DIY. The verdict is? Gorgeous. Maybe it's not what's gotten into Lindsay. It's what Lindsay. Well, they're pulling out all the stars. You even see William Shatner there. Uh, a lot of people watch for the commercials. Um, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> it's my fa my favorite ones are the old Ameritrade ones, the Don't Judge Too Quickly series. So I, I don't know if they're even still around, but I, I, I want some new ones of those. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I heard they're bringing back the baby, um, uh, the E-Trade. E-Trade baby. Oh, the E-Trade e -trade baby. Uh -huh. Aha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as for that commercial I promised you, or the um, story I promised you, Super Bowl parking spot sell for $6,000. Six times the cheapest seat rate. So, yeah, it's a real news story, my friend. It's a big, big moneymaker. Then on top of it, you have the the truckers for Freedom Convoy that threaten, according to the Department of Homeland Security, may be disrupting things down there. Bring it. I think that's pretty interesting. And uh, uh, something that people don't talk about is that not only is the Super Bowl the largest, uh, biggest, most celebrated uh, secular American holiday, it's also the biggest sex trafficking day of the year. And that's wow. something we really should pay attention to. Slavery is real. Our open borders often contribute to that because undocumented people mean we don't know 
we don't have documents on you. We don't know where you're at. We don't know what's happening to you. So it's something to keep in mind, guys, as you are eating your wings, uh, which are hard to come by now because of the supply chain issue. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> year for Super Bowl. Any other Super Bowl thoughts, guys? I've been in the stadium where they're uh, where they're going to be holding the game this year. Quite a stadium. That, that's an amazing. The second ever public event in the stadium. Uh, it was a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> Actually, it was uh, a, an outreach I'm not event judge. that was. Um... I'm sorry. A Justin what Bieber outreach event. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Justin Bieber has has quite a faith, uh, a, a growing faith in in Jesus, and and it's it's really cool. Oh, he fabulous. donated his time for this event and uh, bringing awareness to issues related to um, the foster system. And and so it, it was actually an excellent, it was called the Freedom Experience. You can go out and look for it online on YouTube and it, it was an amazing event, but it was in that stadium. And the cool thing is, is that they don't have a, a big screen somewhere. They have a screen that goes all the way around the, the top of the stadium. So from wherever you are, you can look up oh. and you can see the screen. So it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting uh, the way they designed that thing. I, I understand, though, from the suite area, you cannot truly see the, the screens unless your mask oh. is off. Just ask Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. New, Gruesome Newsome there. Let <laughs> me go in there for a second. I guess they yeah. weren't, big, weren't big enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, something else that happened this weekend as we look back, uh, speaking of football, we had the Pro Bowl at the same time this weekend. We uh, Last week we were enjoying the uh, NHL All-Star Games and uh, challenges. Uh, both were, well, Let's just say the NFL game was boring. I couldn't watch the whole thing. Now, I, I really enjoyed watching hockey. Those games, they played their all. They were, uh, it was a lot of fun. But the Pro Bowl, my gosh, you saw a lot of people standing around the field. And I was thinking, you know, that uh, <laughs> it might be reminiscent of uh, Tom, if you or any of you who have ever coached uh, Pee Wee. It looked like Pee Wee football, you know, where kids are just standing there. What am I going to do? <laughs> just picking daisies out of the lawn. That was that was the Pro Bowl. Did anyone else get that impression or am I just being hard? Too harsh. I haven't, I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in a long time because it really is it really is a farce of a game. I don't think they should bother with the game. I mean, they, for one thing, you know, we talk all the time about the physical toll that the game takes on NFL players mm-hmm. and the speed and the size and all that sort of thing and why they risk themselves playing at full speed in that. I mean, I understand why they don't play at full speed in that game. It just seems like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they could have some sort of gala for the guys who are the pro bowl guys, but, but I mean, if you're going to play a game like that, just just make it two hand touch, you know, play it on the sand pit, because that was ridiculous. That's, that's okay. pretty much what it was. So it's not what I would do it. is I would put all the young I would put all the young guys in there that aren't making all that big, you know, got that big contract ah. yet. I would put all the young uh, new guys that came in maybe even some guys from the practice squad. And then I think you'd get a better game and more people watching it for upcoming players. 
Yeah, but but then it's not really. Uh, uh, well, I guess it still would be a Pro Bowl. It wouldn't be like the All Stars that we see, but that's part of the, I guess, the draw of it that you get all the the A list players there. But I think you're well, right. It would be a much you more don't, entertaining. Because you think about you think about when they they play it the week before the Super Bowl. Uh, so you, none <laughs> none of the good, none of the Super Bowl point. players are there, right? Mm-hmm. And by just by the nature of the teams, you figure mm-hmm. that there's a lot of the best players. Uh, that would be playing in this game. So I just, just from two I, I just of the think, teams. I mean, they well, used to yeah. do it the week after the Super Bowl, and nobody watched it. And so <laughs> I just That's think right. they moved right. it so that at least they get a few people to watch, and people who really have nothing better to do in their lives than to – I mean, people who have been so addicted to watching the NFL the whole season that they just, oh, I don't want to miss a week. And so, you know, because what, what, what would they have done – on that week. I mean, they might have slept in or gone to church or something what? crazy like that. <laughs> Been working on my roof. There you go. I'm, I'm kind of all over this idea. This is pretty cool, Tom. I like your idea. Let's put some players that we don't usually see, and you're going to get a hella game. Serious game. I like that. Uh, we put a lot then of... you just have the XFL. Yeah, which which I'm looking forward to. I was thinking that, too. That's what the XFL is. You have people who are really fighting to get seen, and it's pretty entertaining. Um, Instead of, you know, the superstars, and speaking of superstars, uh, since all of us have had a connection to the Northwest and the Seahawks, apparently this is a a kind of a crazy story I want to take on. ESPN's Ryan Clark, did you hear what he had to say about – Russell Wilson, I'm going to play this clip. Take a listen. Russell Wilson is a very good football player. Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. Russell Wilson is not a great quarterback. Russell Wilson is not an all-time great quarterback. He's never going to be in those conversations. And so we have to stop putting him in those in, in that world, in that world that any team that has Russell Wilson can win a Super Bowl. This is kind of like Big Ben's trajectory, but I think Big Ben was a better football player where Big Ben wins too when the defense is great and when they have a run game and, and when you, li- you limit turnovers. And then when he gets the killer bees, this offense is high flying. He's one of the best players. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that was <laughs> now I'm going to tell you what I think is interesting. I'd like you guys to win uh, way in. Um, does anyone else remember uh, back in, I believe it was 2014, uh, the the then Ryan Clark was a safety for the then Washington Redskins. They played the then Seattle Seahawks, and they lost 27-17. And Ryan Clark literally said that Russell Wilson was the best player in the league because, well, I guess then he beat him. But now things have changed so much. And this despite Russell Wilson, I mean, come on. Russ Russ has an incredible record. Uh, he's one more game. He's he's he has. Well, we can go into it. I could I could opine, but I'm going to let you guys talk for a moment. Anyone want to weigh in on the Ryan Clark? This is Russell Wilson issue. 
Well, sometimes people just have nothing better to do again. Uh, that, I mean, oh, that was more than that. I mean, hey, to say that, I mean, Russ has accumulated more wins through 10 seasons than any other quarterback. I wasn't going to go into that, but, you know, I well, mean, 15th all-time in passing touchdowns. I mean, it, Russ gets on. injured this year. He's sitting on the sidelines for a while. He comes back. Out of sight, out of mind? Quicker, much sooner than he anyone expected yeah. him to. And he should have. And yes, and probably than he should have. And so he doesn't put up quite the numbers this year. And so you get guys like that who, who are making crazy comments. But but I think that exactly is the type of thing that Russell Wilson feeds off of. And you're going to see him with a little chip on his shoulder, I think. Um, and, and, you know, I... Not that he needs any incentive to play hard, but um, but I think things like that actually work well into who Russell Wilson is. I think so too. I think he uh, plays well when when the chips are down. He's got something to prove. It's always been his way, and I, I, I like that. And I I'm hoping that we can see less Russell Wilson superstar and more Russell Wilson, uh, the raw, get it done, humble player that we fell in love with. Uh, and we'll see as as uh, the next season comes about. Uh, some other news from the NFL world. 14 retired NFL players we had talked about uh, in health care fraud were sentenced. Eight will go to prison. Uh, another story. Guess who is your friendly, maskless, uh, deemed anti-vax MVP player yet again? Well, I can't say that Aaron I Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP, but... I, I will say that after some of the talk that I'm glad that um, that the guy that they thought was the MVP was chosen as the MVP, regardless of political stance and the whole masking yeah, yeah. and politics and, and the masking stuff and all. Because there were there were people who, who were saying they would not vote for him because of that, um, which I thought was was ridiculous. And so it's a name. You know, I, I, I would I was rooting for Cooper Cup to win it. Now he did get offensive player of the year, uh, but but at the same time, I'm glad that that um, that statement was made that the player that the that the voters thought was the best player, regardless of anything else surrounding him, in the football the game, you chosen. don't win a championship. And so Richard Sherman, forgive me, guys, just... uh, little sound in the background. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. What? <laughs> who? Who was that? I remember that name. Uh, let's transition a little bit from football, even though it's a great big weekend, to the Olympics. I hear they're going on. Uh, abysmal ratings. People are not watching. Um, that's to be expected. Um, the controversies that are coming out are crazy. Uh, I, many countries are compl complaining that the food at the Beijing Winter Olympics is un inedible, uh, that uh, people are uh, being carted away for, uh, co even though they had a, a, a negative COVID test. Oh, no, we, we think you're negative. But there's also rumors that Chinese players are able to compete, even though they had a positive test. Uh, wh where do we, how do we know what's really going on? Um, this is what freedom doesn't look like. This is what we are so readily, Tom, uh, trading away a lot of our freedom of speech, of uh, of conversation, um, willingness to disagree instead of cancel. We're trading all of that away um, 
for the very things that we're seeing that we're we're outraged at at the Olympics. Have you been following any of that, Tom? Yeah, I've been following some of it. Not you know watching the games, not really following the politics behind it. But you know that's I try to stay out of that part of it just because. I don't want to get a negative attitude towards anything, and I want to just be able to watch the nice the athletes that are there. Politics and sports, yeah. right? I, I try to stay out of it just because of that, because then I'll end up getting you know uh, uh, irritated. And I don't know if any of you know how I am when I get irritated, but <laughs> I, I, I try not to, you know, play into anybody's political games or be lured into any of that. And, and I know it's messed up in China. You know, the, the least headache I have, the more I could focus on the good things. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present to you, uh, showing up just a little late, I understand he had a, a, a doctor's appointment, something was going on that he thought was much more important than us, but that's okay. His uh, values have, have uh, worked the, themselves out, and we are joined by Joshua McMillan. He is, uh, you'll hear him from time to time on the My Michelle Live shows as our man on the street. He is our sports authority, and we lovingly refer to him as Wookie of the Year. Wookie of the Year, Josh McMillan. Josh, we, we were transitioning into the Olympics, but before we do, I wanted to get your thoughts on this weekend's Super Bowl. I know you're a big Puppy Bowl fan, so that you'll be tuning into too. So from the from the halftime show to the the matchup between the Rams and the Bengals, what say you? Uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really good game. Like I mentioned last week, we kind of saw a little bit of a preview with it when the Bengals faced off of Tennessee. They're a very similar team, mm-hmm. similar tier quarterback. He was a you know really good quarterback, but not like top elite, really good defense. I mean, th- this is the thing. The, the Rams are going to get to the quarterback. The Titans over time, giving off the mat, absolutely is getting really I don't think one side here need to win here. You know, it's going to be a close game. There's some people that think that uh, the Rams are going to run away with this. I really just don't think that's the case. I think Cincinnati has a real chance. They can hang in there, and there's just something something special about what's going on with them this year. So, yeah, really yeah. excited about it. Halftime show, honestly, I'm excited for. That's going to be lit. Okay, so uh, you're that's the one much better than some of the ones we've had in the past. Well, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, but you are the one. I, the rest of us are like halftime show. Eh, okay, <laughs> but you're you're kind of you're kind of up on that, man. I am. You know, honestly, I liked last year's a lot. The weekend, what? I thought that show was really good. What? What? Like it was weekend? lame. It was so lame. That was like one of the lamest. The weekend. You're kind of breaking up a little bit. I apologize. I'm tired here. Can you hear me now? Let's see. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. There you are. You were Finally. sounding kind of like okay. the weekend okay. sounded last year at the commercial. Super Bowl. There we go. I was weekend, yeah. No, see, the, the weekend, he stands, he's kind of counterculture. He's against a lot of the, like, big name music stuff. So I thought it was cool that it was, you know, him and kind of a, I don't know, it was just more fun. It was more real than dragging out some of the other <laughs> acts they have before that's like, why do I care about this? Now, this year, I don't know, I, I really appreciate uh, 
some of their music. I mean, it's kind of classic. Okay. And it's really nostalgic for people of my age range, you know, in their in their thirty. You know, I grew up listening to people like Eminem and you know, okay. songs in high school, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. And these days Kendrick like I really like Kendrick Lamar. In fact, there was a, I was down in Portland getting donuts, uh, not at Voodoo, sorry. I was at Blue Star, because <laughs> uh, they have boozy donuts. Spoiler alert. Um, and it was Mark song we lost you again josh uh, i'm a big rap fan so I'm, I'm excited for a lot of the names on here that's okay okay and it may be a good show i i would just like to see politics out of it because that's been part of the recent past in Super Bowl halftime shows. I would like to see some of the racial things out of it. Thank you very much. It doesn't need to be freaking sexed up. This is supposed to be for families, okay? Um, I, I don't want to see it. I just, it, it doesn't have a place anymore. Hashtag me too, you know, may have changed a few things, but Josh... Snoop Dogg's a grandpa now, so I don't know. I think it'll be a little subdued. Yeah. He's been through Snoop Lion and Snoopzilla. Like he's he's been through the ringer a bit, but you know, I I, I don't know. I think it'll be fun. I you know, I don't mm-hmm. think they're gonna get too crazy with it. I'm just you know, the worst we'll probably see is like them smoking weed on stage or something. That's probably the worst we're gonna see. <laughs> oh well it's legal now. Uh, let's let's go back to the Olympics. Uh, uh, some stories that are coming out of the Olympics, as I mentioned, uh, some of the complaints of f- the food being in inet- inedible, not very nutritious chips, and maybe some nuts. And you know, and they're like, where are the meals? Uh, there have been a, a few female skiers uh, got sent away and disqualified because they have baggy clothes, which was kind of funny to me because uh, we had the controversy out of the Summer Olympics where the women were saying, hey, we don't want to have these tight, you know, panty type things. We'd like to wear shorts. Oh, no, women can't do that, you know, and it was only women that got called on the baggy clothes. I understand it has to do with drift. But the men uh, by the same manufacturers weren't called out. Um, so th- there's there's some controversy where who gets to play with a positive test and who doesn't, even though they have a negative test. Anyone following some of those and would like to, they're not readily covered in the press. And that's why I wanted to give people some insight that they might not be getting other places here. Well, I haven't, I haven't been watching. I, I, I didn't, I didn't go into this like intending to boycott them, but um, once they, but at the same time, once, once I watched them send up this, this Chinese athlete that they were claiming had Uyghur roots, um, so connected to the ethnic group that they're mm-hmm. uh, busily exterminating and, and experimenting And then she disappeared. On. Um, after competing and then and then and and then disappeared mm-hmm. yes um and then what the conditions the living conditions that the athletes from i imagine every country but china um, are experiencing as far as their food goes um getting pulled out of their rooms at 3 a.m and taken off to be quarantined and then sent back and getting conflicting information about covid tests um then there was um, the situation with the speed skating, um, there was 
um, the Chinese team that finished last in their heat and ended up qualifying for the finals because uh, all of the teams in front of them got DQ'd uh, under mysterious circumstances. So really, I, the whole thing has just been a shameful farce. Um, it's, it's embarrassing that, um, that a, while it, China was selected mm-hmm. to host these games, knowing what kind of regime runs that country, what they're doing to their own people. Um, it, it really stands in opposition to what the, the Olympics is all about. So I am following what our athletes are doing, but I just, after that, that show and the opening ceremonies um, and using this, this person, we don't even know if they really were a Uyghur or not. And then they disappear. Um, you know, the whole thing going on, even though she's not in the Olympics, but the, the tennis player is a Fen Shang something like goo but you know that whole thing where she was interviewed and gave these really scripted answers that yes you know it everything about this just stinks so i just haven't been able to stop we shouldn't have been there to begin with we should have chosen another country Uh, i think it's a good a good thing for us to watch and to say a lot of the things that we're doing trading our freedoms away and uh our hate for america then you look at what's happening in a country like china and go hmm is that what we want to become right yeah. Well, and, and yeah. I, I think it, it is just the perfect Olympics for COVID. I mean, <laughs> and I mean that in the very worst of ways, because um, it's politicized, it's unfair, it's unbalanced, it's completely, as Brent said, contrary to what the Olympics are supposed to be all about. And it, it, it really is nauseating to me and quite angering, actually. Uh, Being a person of Chinese descent, to see what this Chinese communist government has done and the way that they are making such an awful name for for China um, is is just so, so angering to me. And and the fact that, you know, people are largely ignoring it as you said michelle and and you're not seeing these stories coming out in in the mainstream media and and it's it's just i i i can't the last week i told you that i was going to try and watch just to support our athletes i haven't watched a single moment of the olympic coverage um much for this reason because it it just really has upset me because I don't think that, that there's anything fair about what's going on at all. No. Um, and yet uh, the Chinese government uh, be- acts as though everyone's just going to believe it. And it it's very discomforting, Joshua, because I see that same thing happening in our American regime. Uh, people making decisions, saying things that are blatantly untrue. And thinking that if I say it, then, well, it's true. And people actually will believe it. And that's part of what's happening. Josh, I'd like your thoughts. Yeah, it's certainly happening to an extent with the way everything, everything is politicized uh, in America now. And certainly with COVID, you see, you see agendas pushing policy rather than you see actual science push policy. I mean, uh, Washington State is a great example right now because most other states have announced the lifting of their mask mandates. 
Jay Inslee said this week that we will be removing our outdoor 500 or more mass gathering that no one listened to. And, <laughs> but he also said that next week we're going to talk more about giving a date for a mask mandate ending because we're not going to be <laughs> steamrolled by public opinion. We're not going to be steamrolled by other states. We're going to listen to the science and what the science says to keep Washington people safe. And I said, well, like my thought is, so is the science different in Washington state than it is other places? I mean, really, it's just to make himself look better, to make himself to seem that he's the one that's really been controlling COVID because that's been his narrative. And that's just kind of the thing that we're seeing in America. And that is part of a slippery slope that leads you to a place like what you have in China, where the government is controlling everything. You know, the emergency powers that Jay Inslee is clinging to here or that the huge centralization of authority that we've seen over the coronavirus. I mean, that's something that, like, to me, would be really important to dismantle unless you want to have a Star Wars situation and you see that democracy die amongst, amongst thunderous applause. <laughs> oh. I don't want the evil empire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well put, John. Well put. Uh, guys, it is time for us to get towards our final shot. Before we do, are there any other big sports stories that we haven't dished up today? I mean, we've talked basically NFL, Olympics. Uh, I did want to say that I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy the Pro Bowl, but I sure enjoyed watching the NHL All-Star and All-Star skills. That was a lot of fun. Uh, any other sports stories? Well, well, you guys didn't talk baseball since I wasn't here. Well, we have not skip over I, that. I was just going to bring that up, Josh. That? Go, go for it. Lockout. <laughs> yeah, lockout still in place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, as as we talked about last week, there was <coughs> offered by the players' association, uh, and then it turns out what happened was they were expecting a counteroffer from the owners, which they said they do, and instead they asked for arbitration. And the players' association said. No, you said you'd bring us a counteroffer, not a request for an arbiter. Um, man, there's been a lot going back and forth with this. Paul Seawald actually came onto a local Seattle show here. He was a Mariners pitcher and laid out some really good things uh, that kind of explain what they're talking about. One was that they are one of the biggest problems in the first three to six years of a player's career is when they make the less money, but oftentimes when they bring the most value to a team hmm. and the Minimum salary has been around 550000 a year for that for a long time. So obviously, the, like, they're not equating the actual value. And the average, sal- the average uh, lifespan of a career is actually three years because a lot of players play for a couple of years and they kind of flame out. So really, they want to get people more value early on. And, but one of the big things they want to do is add a bonus pool. So someone's rookie of the year. You know, thinking like Aaron Judge, Fernando Tatis Jr., these guys are just phenoms, like year one. They want there to be a $100 million bonus pool that all the teams contribute to that goes to the best rookie players or the best young players in those first couple of years so they can be paid a little bit closer to what would be equitable for them. The owners came back and they said $10 million. We'll do $10 million instead of $100 million. And Paul Sewell kind of laid out why that's, that's a joke. Because a franchise, if you split it up between the franchises, you're looking at $3 million between each of the 30 teams and more like a sliding scale. And he said it best. He said, if you can't, if you don't think that, you know, having a rookie of the year, these big players, isn't generating you at least $3 million in revenue, 
then you're a joke and you don't deserve to own a, a franchise, which I, <laughs> wow. I really agree wow. with on that. You know, like, I don't think the players have backed down from a lot of the demands they had before, you know, getting rid of the whole six year thing or changing the arbitration and changing that structure. They've backed down from a lot of them and said, look, just, just pay the young guys, just pay the guys early in their career, get these guys some payment and don't like, you know, the guys that flame out in a couple of years, they, you got to understand if you, if you are out of the league in three years, that's not just three years you play baseball. That's sometimes up to a decade that you are working towards this between high school, college, and the minor leagues, minor all the while where you're making, making nothing. peanuts, yes. you know? And then for the culmination of that to be, if you're lucky, three years, and that's a million and a half dollars, which yeah. is, it, you know, that sounds like a lot of money, but for that amount of time when you were making peanuts and probably had to have someone else helping to support you because minor league players don't make enough. That's not yeah, enough to my, live on for the rest my, of your my, life. Minor league living conditions are like what China, how tri, China, China the Olympics. The Olympic athletes. <laughs> Basically, Seri- yeah. It seriously is. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot of parallels there. Not only- I, I I think that with what you're talking about too, Josh. I think the service type manipulation issue is a huge one too, where teams want to maintain control over these young players as long as they can because they're cheap, and so they will like hold them in the minor leagues for like. They'll know a guy's ready and they'll hold him in the minor leagues for like six weeks at the start of a season before they bring him up because it'll actually bump their eligibility for free agency a year further down the road. Mm-hmm. So it's it's stuff like that. And in some cases, it's been so blatant and transparent. That that's what's going on um, that, you know, the players lose like the best opportunity, their, their, their prime earning power for a lot of them to these manipulations by the owners. So I, I, the owners locked them out, but I do not blame the players at all for holding the line on some of these things. And I, I want to point out that uh, there's an importance to making these young kids happy and making baseball a, a continued draw because there is ever competition from so many other professional sports arenas that, and baseball has well it's flirting with a with disaster of kind of becoming a lesser uh, sport that people care less about they really need to continue to make good decisions that put major league baseball back into the hearts of americans it is no longer the american pastime you know we've just talked about the super bowl that's the pastime but it doesn't have to go away and if Owners are smart, and they pay attention to uh, supporting these younger players. It will continue. I think it will go a long way in continuing to thrive. Anyone else want to comment on that? I think if they have less games, there would be more intensity rather than drawing it out. You got five games a week. You got, you know, for, for 180 games, you know, to me, that's just long and drawn out. I don't really watch until they start making the playoffs. Yeah. Or getting close, you know, or there's something on the line for it. But, what, you know, that, the same thing with the players, you know, working their way up. I think they ought to play less games during the week. That way there's a little more, you know, intensity in, in baseball. Out. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's uh, really draws on your body. Josh, you agree with that? Our baseball correspondent? I... Yes and no. There's a there's a piece there's okay. there's some nuance here, right? Because I think that part of the great thing about baseball is that it is a grind, and over such a long season, 
like you really like the statistics are worth more and more the more you put into them right so when you have over 160 games you have a lot of data to go through and a lot of like yeah yeah I no, just these think guys really are legit these guys are the best that batting average of 300 that wasn't just a flash in the pan and that's important on the other side i think there is an opportunity to dial back a little bit you know maybe a couple less games or just spread it out a little bit more um and I'm, I'm not just talking like maybe one less a week per team. Cause look at what Japan does. Yeah. They always give them an off day every week. Yeah. And yeah. that is huge for keeping players healthy. Just that one day of rest. So you're not grinding. Huh. I think you know, God says day. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, some, some weird book mentioned something about yeah. that. I don't know. It's I know. Not, so, not very well known. Someone like, I don't know God. I don't yeah. Know. You know what? Best selling author. Do think, yeah. I, I do think that I, part of the, the charm of baseball is like the daily rhythm you get into. And during the summer, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing like having, I like it on the radio better than on TV sometimes. Just Agreed. because it's, but we had, we had a shortened season a couple of summers ago with the whole COVID thing mm-hmm. where you saw a 60 game regular season and yeah, there was some more intensity to it, but because there were fewer games, but I think you saw a lot of, um, anomalies in the shortened season where you didn't necessarily have because baseball teams are constructed to perform over the long haul and you had some teams that looked better than they were some teams that you know that were just like getting into their season when it was all over so uh, (laughs) i wouldn't want to cut back too far i think they need to cut back on length of games and that kind of stuff where there's oh my gosh you know, there's, there's just a lot games of stuff that there. Seven innings? yes yes yeah. Tom, no, because there's no, there's no, games that i have sat through where not, i was not like in, i don't not, care not who wins innings. just let me go home let me go home <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I, I i think that it should remain nine innings but you're right you can do things to improve the pace of game yes which, which they're already working on they're working on pitch clocks those are in the minor leagues so they have to pitch within a certain amount of time and there's rules to keep that game moving okay. forward. I think that's the important thing. Yeah. I mean, you even see announcers getting mad at it now. I forgot what game I was watching, but there was a game last year where the announcer was like, Oh, come on. This is ridiculous. When the guy just kept on throwing to first base and then just like stood there for like 20, 30 seconds between pitches. Like the mm. announcer was getting mad. Yes. I've like, been what there. is this? I've been that's there. the things that they got to get rid of. And they, there are rules coming in in the minor leagues about how many times you can try to pick off first base in the at bat, which is amazing. Right. Cause if you go over that, then they have a free free steal attempt, basically, with no no repercussions at first base. So it really is going to improve that pace of game. Those things are coming to baseball, and I think that is one of the most important things that they can do. All right. Tom Fisher, get ready. You're going to be up first as we go to our final shot. Final shot. Final shot. We go around the team and uh, just give a final shout out, an idea, a thought, uh, something you want to share. Uh, Coach Fisher, what's on your mind today? When sports get bigger than Jesus, you lose the picture, you lose the big picture. Wow. <laughs> Let's just go home, man. <laughs> that's, all I need. that's all I needed to hear right there. Love that, man. Uh, Brent Baker. Uh, I'm going to give it to, uh, Sean White, the snowboarder, um, the old, the flying tomato. (laughs) I don't think he's been called that as much, but you know, in a sport that really only gets attention during the Olympics, um, at least as far as, you know, on TV and that kind of thing, you know, he's, he is Michael Jordan. He is Tom Brady. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, he almost hit the medal stand, finished fourth in his last event. But I, I always enjoyed watching him as an athlete. And so, yeah, I'll just give a shout out to him. Yeah, he, he really made the sport. He really did. Yeah. Uh, Josh. Yeah, I'm going to shout out. I'm going to go back to baseball, the Mariners organization. Uh, their farm system now ranked number one, uh, which is awesome. I didn't as a know Mariners that. Fan. That's I a did huge not know turnaround that. from just a couple years ago with Jerry Depoto doing a great job moving that around. The big the big star, though, is Julio Rodriguez, who was projected right now. He's the number two prospect. And he was recently uh, on a list of projections of having a three war in his first year. The players that have been on that list previously are players like Corey Seager, players, players like Fernando Tatis Jr., and people who are the best players in the league today. So you've got to be excited. This guy should be making, assuming we have a season, should be making his debut this year, uh, if not certainly next year. So there's some big things on the horizon. But like, if you're number one in the farm, that's not just because of your top star. That's because of a really good pitching depth we have. We have some other guys like Noelva Marte, who probably going to be a third baseman or shortstop in there. Some really exciting talent coming up. And with the talent we already have, the acquisitions that Mariners are expected to take, Mariners fans, get ready. Get ready to get out to the ballpark and give that same energy you did last year at the end of the year when we were in the hunt. Because I think it's I think it's gonna be time. Way to go, if Joshua. The, if, if the bungles if the bungles can make the Super Bowl, the Mariners <laughs> can make the World Series. Amen, amen and amen. And thank you, Joshua Mariners McMillan, right? <laughs> The grand salami, Josh. My oh my. Yes, it does. Uh, we want to go to uh, Garrick Payne, your final shot. Oh, it's still going. It's still going. No, just play it again. That's fine. Yeah. Repeat. Well, I'm going back to the Super Bowl for my final shot. Uh, I think one of you all might, might have already selected him as your final shot earlier on, but uh, he, he deserves to be nominated again because um, this uh, Cincinnati Bengal player, former former, former Florida Gator, um, is uh, also a former soccer player. So that gives me a little bit of uh, incentive to, to think about him. But uh, he's on the cusp of actually breaking a record in the postseason here in the Super Bowl. Um, if um, Evan McPherson can can hit three field goals, he will break the NFL record for um, for postseason field goals, um, currently held by Adam Vinatieri. The, uh, the, he had kicked for like 24 seasons and, and is the all-time leading scorer in all of the NFL. Um, and he, he had the record of 12 field goals made in the postseason, or sorry, 14 field goals made in the postseason. And uh, that was in his 11th season he did that. And uh, now as a rookie uh, drafted in the fifth round, uh, McPherson has that opportunity to break that record. And so he's evidently he's just an amazing guy um, and just incredible uh, young man and character and, and all of that. So so my final shot uh, goes out to uh, to the, the Bengals kicker. 
Evan McPherson. And he is yeah. one of eight very outspoken Christian athletes in the 2022 Super Bowl. Um, Evan McPherson, you mentioned. Um, Akeem Davis, Gaither, uh, he's a linebacker for the Bengals. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, um, he was the third-round draft pick for the New Orleans Saints back in 2017. Um, he plays for the Bengals. Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, who is a defensive back. Um, I, I guess I could go on. I, I, Cooper Cup, uh, of course, he's he's a man of faith. And uh, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Johnny Heck, Hecker. They're, these are people who are outspoken about their faith. And why I wanted to give them my final shot is because, as Tom had said, you know, without that eternal thing that that connection with God, the game of life is already lost. And even if things don't go your way in the game of life, you have a final victory in Jesus. And that's something you never forget. It is that it factor that helps you to score in life and in the life beyond. And that's really what we're all about here on My Michelle Live. I want to thank Josh, even though I I know you had a doctor's appointment and you still joined us. You're so awesome. Uh, Coach Tom Fisher, uh, Brent Baker, Garrick Payne, and for me, I'm, I'm your happy host here, Michelle Mendoza. Thanks for joining us. Remember to like us and share us. We are part of the voice of freedom. We are part of the voice of the God story, which is the most important news story you will ever encounter. Thanks guys for being part of the show today. I appreciate it. And we will catch you guys next week. Go ahead. Bust a move. Too bad we can't see Josh and Tom bust a move, right? Yeah, I'm going right now. <laughs> you see some moves. You're missing out.